0: hello, everybody, and welcome to the Barbenheimer waiting room. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name is Henry. And my name's I'm holding up for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning John. And together we're Dead Reckoning John and Henry, I guess, coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of whatever's happening right now in between the premiere of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, and
1: Barbenheimer. And that is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning coming out this Wednesday. If you're listening to this podcast, you've already seen it. Tom Cruise is bringing movies back from the brink once again, and he thanks you for seeing a movie in the movie theaters. I will not be seeing that. I most likely will, because Mission Impossible movies are great. I haven't seen one. Ever? Not even Ghost Protocol? I might have seen Mission Impossible 3.
0: Okay. <laughs> it doesn't have a subtitle. I don't know what to tell you. I'll,
1: I am not a Mission Impossible super fan, but I think we've covered this on this podcast before. Mission Impossible movies are worth watching for one reason and one reason only. And that is because of Tom Cruise's, uh, you know, I don't want to make it so this says anything about his personality, uh, but he has this incredible knack. Uh, To run the analytics on his body and what it can do and will, at a minimum, once per Mission Impossible movie, do a stunt himself that is real, that no one would advise him to do. It's pretty great. It's it's hanging out of a plain shit. For real. For Uh, real doing that. I don't know what this is going to say about my
0: character. However... If he were to die doing a stunt, I'd go see the movie.
1: I agree with you, but maybe for a different reason. If he died doing a stunt, obviously in his will, he would ask that the movie still come out. Uh, obviously. Uh, but if he were to die, I think he died doing his greatest contribution to art, honestly. Like, that is... Yeah. I would, know, yeah. In a world of increasingly deep-faked actors and uh cgi car chases tom cruise is a man out here saying i'm gonna put my body on the line once every few years just because i like making movies and i'm exceedingly crazy
0: absolutely but uh i need i you know once you once you they show the stunt on like Good Morning America or whatever. So like, don't go see the movie. Just watch Good Morning America the day after it comes out. Then but you, you, could, you could see
1: Simon Pegg. How many times do you get to see Simon Pegg? Um, once per Star Wars. Yeah, that is true. Hopefully that doesn't happen for a long time. Go see Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. With movies like Tom Cruise in them, you can't lose. You know it's uh, <laughs> it, it, it's
0: funny because we're in the bit of what some people are, are have have dubbed the flopbuster era.
1: Mm. Uh, uh what is this uh <laughs> are we
0: in our flopbuster era? Uh current so much like Taylor Swift, the box office seems to be in its flopbuster era. I meant to say like as in the same vein that Taylor Swift has eras. <laughs> uh, I see. She herself is of course not in her flop buster era. She's just in various eras throughout her concert. It's going. on. I don't come after us, Taylor Swift. Please don't come.
1: You know, I don't think we have to worry about Taylor Swift coming after us. I think we do have to very seriously worry about Swifties coming after us.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Don't come after us. That's not what I meant to say. What I'm saying is the box office seems to be in a little bit of a flop buster era. I'm just going to rattle off a couple of movies that have come out this year that have, in the technical definition of the word, flopped, mm. meaning they didn't really earn back the money that it took to make the movie.
1: All right. Are we talking a uh, foreign and domestic or just domestic?
0: Mostly domestic. I think uh, internationally, a lot of these kind of break even, but let's say let's just talk domestic box offices it's what it's the information i got in front of me
1: I, I think it is pretty commonly considered that something flopped if it didn't make its money back domestically so i think you're on the right track so i'm just
0: gonna name a couple of movies just a handful and uh stop me once it gets overwhelming um dungeons and dragons honor amongst thieves shazam 2 fury of the gods and oh, that <laughs> quantum mania fast x Uh, The Little Mermaid, Transformers, Rise of the Beast, Elemental, uh, The Flash, Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, and Indiana Jones 5. I noticed you didn't
1: stop me, but I named like 10 movies. Uh, And most of those movies are uh, part of uh, known franchises or intellectual properties. And also... I, I think I've seen maybe half of these movies. Uh, I, I do, yeah, do want to see the Teenage Kraken one just because, I don't know, it looks fun.
0: I've, see, I've seen the trailer too many times to ever sit through that movie. I'm sorry. I've, I know the entire plot.
1: Uh, also should have saved that trailer to debut before The Little Mermaid. I mean, come on. I also should have leaned in way. Whatever. Uh, here's my take. Most of these movies that I've seen that have flopped uh, kind of suck, <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you. A little bit.
0: But I want to point out, like, they're connected to big, huge franchises like Transformers, multi-million dollar franchise, Indiana Jones, classic franchise, Fast X, huge action-oriented franchise. Mission Impossible is just setting itself up to
1: be the next edition of the Flopbuster era. We'll see if they can break out of the Flopbuster era. Uh, maybe there's something to be said here about Studios Calculus, about the kind of movies people want to see uh, needing to be updated a little bit. I don't know. There was a, a very serious conversation about superhero fatigue a while ago. We've talked about this. I think we're in franchise fatigue. I think we're just seeing the... Uh, I don't know, there's this, air, there's this air that things are dying, that things are changing, that I'm kind of here for, because it hasn't felt that way for like 10 years.
0: Yeah, I think franchise fatigue is, is a huge thing that I think in like two or three years we can really start observing in, in greater uh, detail and depth. Because it does seem as though, like, these should have been knocks out of the park. You know, sequels to superhero movies, remakes of cartoon classics, you know, further additions and long-standing franchises that only have a couple movies yet. By all studio executive math and formula on paper, all of these stood out to
1: be, at if not hits, at least successful. Yeah, I mean if you're if you're going off of how movies have been for the last 10 years, but listen, COVID changed people, gotten those brains rewired them. Rewired now, them. We now people a, just want to see a portrait of a lady on fire too. Yeah, we just want to see what? <laughs> we just want to see Portrait of a Lady on Fire too. Specifically, we just want to see that
0: movie get released yeah, again. We, yeah. And again with different actors.
1: Yeah, no, that's what we want. We also want to see The Killing of a Sacred Deer, Rise of the Beasts.
0: Rise of the Beasts, of course. Killing of a Sacred... Oh, I can't. That movie is so messed up. Uh, we want to see The Lobster <laughs> Part 3. <laughs> the Lobster Part 3 with Ed Helms and, mm-hmm. and... What's his name? Oh. I don't know it anymore. Colin Zach Farrell. Galifianakis. Yes, it. absolutely. <laughs> Nailed it.
1: Uh, a, a hangover style romp but with the plot yeah. of the lobster the, pl- oh, yeah, yeah. the the plobster if you will yeah the hop, the hang
0: obster hang obster of course I, I there's been a lot of buzz about Indiana Jones 5 uh, dial of destiny um I've, I've had multiple conversations with people over this I've seen it and not many other people have it turns out but the critics have been sort of dragging it being not a good film and i i think
1: they're wrong uh from my understanding so uh i forget who the 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 director of the new indiana jones movie is or can the look it up. but uh, a lot of people have been james f- mangold oh james mangold of logan fame i think uh, I'll click on
0: his name, if that's what you're asking me to do. He did a movie called Logan. Mm, of
1: Logan fame.
0: Uh, Ford versus Fiore, your dad's favorite film. Yeah, James Mangled, pretty good. 310 The Yuma, one of the it best
1: Westerns to, to come out in 2007. Probably the best Western remake in history. Yeah. So James Mangold, pretty good. Uh, I think it's actually Kathleen Kennedy who is the Disney person. She's like who, the Star
0: Wars person. Yeah, she's she was the producer on this movie.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people are like dragging Kathleen Kennedy over this movie. The very few people I have uh, heard from who've seen this think it's actually a pretty good movie. <laughs> I think it's a
0: pretty good movie. I think what the problem is for like a mainstream audience is – I think maybe we have, as a culture, have outgrown the Indiana Jones movie. Oh? Because what it is, is it's another Indiana Jones movie. It fits right up there with, like, Raiders and Last Crusade. Okay, so it's a it's a, like a somewhat formulaic treasure romp? It, it's like this style of movie is over, is what the not success
1: of this movie is telling me well, for what it's worth, when Indiana Jones came out, uh, Raiders of the lost art came out. It was meant to be both a send up and a revitalization of that kind of movie that existed through the forties and the fifties or the thirties and the fifties.
0: Right. Yeah. Like the, uh, you know, the, the paperback, uh, adventure romp,
1: you know? Yeah. And I, I think that, um, it was meant to be like a cheesy pastiche then so i can't i i almost i have to imagine that whatever like cultural vestiges in people's mind of what that was must be totally gone now like i imagine to a modern audience this movie must not really communicate very well at all right honestly i feel like
0: people are watching Isle of destiny with the same eyes and the same mindset that they would watch one of these other modern movies that come out. And what they're seeing is like, well, this isn't pushing boundaries. This isn't being ho- like a breath of fresh air. This is kind of more of the same of what I've already seen is like, well, yeah, because it is trying to be the next iteration in a dated formula of movies of, of which there hasn't been a good one since Last Crusade, which was, you know, 20, 30 years ago at this point.
1: Yeah, I uh, I, I, agree. I, I mean, I'm excited to see it hearing that because I, I tend to, I don't know. I feel like there was this period of time where we had these semi-soulish cash grab sequel movies that tried to do something new. And then eventually we like reeled it back a little bit and we're like, what if we try to do these movies like a good version of themselves and not try to like put Shia LaBeouf in it and make it like a new thing. Right. Uh, yeah, so I-, I don't know. Maybe I, I want to go see it now. I love Indiana Jones. Gotta say though, whenever I see old Harrison, I think be it star Wars, Indiana Jones or shrinking. I'm like, put him back. Oh, he's really good in shrinking though. Yeah, but put him back. That, the that, man's, that man's worked hard enough. Put him back in his home. I, I would say give him more shrinking stuff. You know, Put him, him back him more, in a plane. Give him
0: more, you know, comedic drama roles where he doesn't have to run around and jump.
1: Yeah, make it so he doesn't break
0: his ankle anymore, yeah. if possible. Put him in a role where he can really like flex his acting chops like in a shrinking.
1: Yeah, flex his acting chops, not his ankles. Not his ankle chops, which they're not that choppy anymore. They're, they're not that choppy. Well, Indiana Jones movie of the year. Henry said it. I'm calling it now. There will not be a better movie until Barbenheimer comes out. Gotta say, the, uh, the, the real groundswell of support for both Barbie and Oppenheimer really here for it even though to this day uh I still I don't know something weird happened in my brain. Do you remember the fantastic movie Nope? I I yeah, yeah, uh, Jordan Peele's Nope. Uh at the beginning of that in theaters oh there was a post-trailers yeah. trailer for Oppenheimer I which of course that is shit. because it's because Jordan Peele got Christopher Nolan's editor off of Oppenheimer. They quit to go work on Nope. And he, as a favor, made the the initial theatrical release of Nope have the first trailer for Oppenheimer in it. Cool, solid that. move. Yeah, yeah. Class act from Jordan Peele. Yeah. Also, probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Nope. Jordan Peele. Good job. Uh, but I remember watching that and going into Nope. I was like, I know this is a movie about the film industry and i thought it was a joke (laughs) and a parody (laughs) because it's like this hyper serious black and white movie about a not overly obscure but semi-obscure historical figure starring killian murphy directed by chris nolan i was like oh this is a joke (laughs) about the kind of movies that would come out now and to this day i can't (laughs) shake that feeling when i see trailers for oppenheimer like it just still feels like a parody even though i'm sure it's going to be great and executed to a very high level
0: Uh, we're in a very funny moment and i i feel like the box office is going to reflect the moment that we're in but i'm going to name it now i think there is legitimate support and excitement over the barbie movie i don't think it's there for oppenheimer at all I re- I I really don't I think I think they should have moved the date a little bit probably like may, maybe not now cuz a lot of people are doing like the the double feature so maybe more people will see Oppenheimer than they, than um than if they had moved it but I really feel like Barbie has the groundswell around
1: it and Oppen- Oppenheimer's riding the coattails I truly think that a lot more people are going to see Oppenheimer because of Barbie. I do not think anyone who was going to see Oppenheimer is also. Go- Barbenheimer yeah. is totally for the Barbie crowd, which oh, yeah, yeah. is to say mental geniuses, smart people who are very interested in Barbie because Barbie looks like the best movie. Uh, it's, um, it is the best movie, starring the best people <laughs> with the best director. And you you can't argue against it. If, if you are on the
0: marketing team for Oppenheimer, you are like you you've been riding it easy for months now because all you've had to do is like whenever Barbie the Barbie team posts something, just say like an Oppenheimer or like just be like just throw support at Barbie and then boom, free publicity for you. And so many people are doing your marketing job for you because they're attaching your movie to Barbie, which seems to be the more popular of the two films. Oh, so for you, sure. Yeah. You, you've been, you've been just sitting back and, and watching all of the free marketing come in. If they had moved it, you're like, Oh, now i got to try to get people to go see a historical film about the people who made the nuclear bomb. One of the biggest mistakes of humankind. Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, I totally get the appeal of Oppenheimer. Uh, but to your point, Barbie is a force that cannot be stopped. And Oppenheimer better better bless, better thank its lucky stars that it got caught up in the whirlwind and is now attached to Barbie. Uh, it, it's
0: very funny to me that it, it should have been the other way around, but Greta Gerwig and um, Margot Robbie did they they posed with their tickets for Mission Impossible and Oppenheimer movies that you know are coming out around the same time, saying like we're gonna go see it, like we're su- we're supporting your movies. Uh, it's all just you know it's for, it's for the good of the theaters. We're we're supporting arts and also like you know best of luck to, to both of you or whatever. They did that first, and now not only now it's coming out. Killian Murphy's like, oh yeah, no, I'm gonna go see a Barbie movie. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna go see Barbie, I'm
0: Barbie go, movie. I'm gonna go see I'm I'm excited for it. I really am. Me and
1: my sterling, piercing <laughs> Irish blue eyes. It's, it's me and a, a group of other people who smoke a lot of cigarettes and wear little hats with razors sewn into the brim. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna all, go see the Barbie the, movie. We'll take the, our razor hats off. All the Peaky Blinders. I this is an aside but like Greta Gerwig, a uh, kind of incredible trajectory because like when you successfully rewrite Little Women, they're like what do you want to work on next? Well, Barbie obviously. I feel like the only <laughs> the, the next thing Greta Gerwig has to work on is like the Bible. <laughs> Greta, Greta Gerwig is working on things that are increasingly primordial.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's going to yeah, touch the greatest story ever told. In a way, though, l- there's ways to read this Barbie trailer out as a Bible. Oh, by, by Arbil? I've only seen the trailer um, like one time. But from my recollection, which is very spotty, so f- everyone feel free to jump and correct me. Margot Robbie is, is portraying Barbie. She floats from on high off the top of her, her dream mansion down to the Earth. She walks across water. Is she not our Lord and Savior? Uh, I don't remember her work her walking across water, but yes. I think she, I don't know. I saw a Twitter thread about it. I was like, okay, She's, I don't know.
1: I mean, I'm cool with Barbie Jesus. Barbie Jesus, coming to you in a little pink box from Mattel. Um, just like that time they put out a Barbie in a wheelchair and it didn't fit in any of the dream houses. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody remember when that happened and that was (laughs) remember everybody remember when that happened in the nineties and every child learned that the Barbie (laughs) universe is not ADA compliant.
0: Oh no. Some executive at Mattel is like, you can have representation or you can have fantasy.
1: You can't have both. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the trend continues to this day. But, Henry, I have some news for you. Oh, breaking? Not breaking, exactly. Well, Light I'm, breaking. It's news I'm I'm breaking to you. I, I know that we don't usually, like, in the podcast talk You're breaking about, news to me? We don't talk about, like us in the podcast very often we Uh, do constantly (laughs) well we don't talk about like listen there's some things i gotta let you know i as everyone knows i went on a long vacation to the pacific northwest i came back with a new perspective nobody knows that (laughs) nobody knows you went on a vacation everybody knows i went on vacation to find myself um i found myself in the japanese garden in in portland oregon Um, And I came back with a fresh perspective. And, Henry, I just want you to know, plain and simple, if you need surfing with men, boundaryless, inappropriate friendships with men, to model, to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, to post sexual pictures, friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful, I am not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it and there'll be no oh, hard feelings. These are my boundaries for a romantic relationship. I know what this is. I'm, I'm just telling you right now. I've, I came back with boundaries. You came back with boundaries and you must've bumped into Jonah Hill out there, huh? Uh, well, you know, us, uh, deeply sunburned, insecure men tend to hang out with each other. Yeah.
0: Uh, so your list of boundaries. Oh man, I,
1: I almost don't want to talk about this. <laughs> oh no! So it's not a thing we can talk about. We can. I mean, it's
0: a, to catch everyone up. Um, Jonah Hill's ex-partner, who is a surfer, whose name I sadly do not know.
1: Uh, Sarah, Sarah Brady, maybe. <laughs>
0: Uh, recently, posted just all of sort of the text between her and her ex partner Jonah Hill, actor. Um, not much more.
1: <laughs> uh huh. Yes, actor, uh, director of stunts.
0: Yeah, in which uh, he outlined some pretty controlling boundaries. Yes. That were all imposing on things she was doing without sort of any boundaries on what he was doing. Uh, yeah, they, they, uh, they apparently split. He apparently, she, she released more today. Um, I don't know if you saw these.
1: Uh, I no, I didn't.
0: Yeah. So they split up. He and remained friends. He kept, uh, a weird attachment to her during this time of separation in which he would still sext her and like lean on her for like emotional support. Then she moved to Hawaii for her career. She's a surfer. And within a week, he got a new relationship.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. How, when it was convenient, Jonah, we don't need to talk too much about kind of the contours of their relationship. I will say, I don't like posting people's, Text messages. I don't know. It feels weird to me. It's it's privileged communication. The uh, the
0: only the only reason I I'll, I'll mark our mark our our mar, I'll mark out for uh, the for I, is her name Sarah. Are we gonna, going going to Sarah? Yeah, Sarah Brady. <laughs> okay, yeah. The only reason I'll mark out for Sarah is because Jonah Hill has a history of just completely spinning the narrative in his favor uh, time and time again, apparently. So nothing can kind of take the wind out of the sails of a manipulator like that, other than just posting the bold
1: face like tech receipts, you know? Yeah, no, my, the, uh, the arguments that I was going to follow that with is I don't like p- people posting people's text messages. However, when someone is much more powerful than you, yeah, it's kind of your only recourse. Uh, I mean, so exactly to- totally fair i think in in this instance i think a big thing that people are taking an issue with here is his usage of a uh, therapy language to describe misogynistic well, and controlling yeah. behavior which like this is news to people people have been hurting other people with therapy language for like five to eight years at this point <laughs> yeah it- and
0: for some context they were in couples therapy around the time of these texts. So she was she had previously like sent him things that she would require out of a relationship and this was him doing that only focusing on things she couldn't do rather than things he wanted out of the relationship.
1: Jonah, I feel like we need to Use some "I feel" statements. Right. Oh, uh, I I feel like you are a greedy harlot. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, yeah, no. So th- I, I, mean, uh, I totally get that.
0: It, it does not excuse, of course, the the weaponization of the therapize language, the therapy language, but it, it does give some context as to why he's using it, it, it and his twi- his twisting of the assignment, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it is. Um, I think that people have been weaponizing therapy language for a while. I got to say, I really love this. I wasn't going to talk about this. I really love the New York posts reporting on this, which is, uh, gotta love the New York Post. Just really good. Uh, uh, they say things like therapy. Once a glowing green flag on a match's hinge profile could now turn a revolting red. (laughs) That's not, that's your takeaway, the New York Post. <laughs> That's your takeaway. I oh, God, I love the New York Post so much.
0: Surprised it wasn't
1: Joe. You know, Sarah
0: Brady says,
1: "Get out of here, bozo." <laughs> it's it's just so good. Commonly misused buzzwords such as gaslighting, narcissism, and trauma, terms learned in a counselor's office, or more likely, on a TikTok feed, were intended to Fucking be helpful tools me. for decoding emotions and behaviors, but have since been used as weapons.
0: Fucking take me out back and hit me with a rake. It's it's just, it's so good. It's the New York Post written in such a way? Is it weaponized incompetence? Is it supposed to elicit just blind rage from its readers <laughs> because i think so, so i think it's so.
1: working <laughs> the discourse over the highly disputed allegations coincides with a larger push for men who are less likely to seek mental health treatment to go to therapy as single women refuse bachelors who haven't attended a session single women refuse bachelors yeah i'm sure i'm sure that's real i'm <laughs> sure that's true it's it's God. so good you know, there's links to it's. Oh, this is great! There is a link in here, and I assumed it would link to another New York Post article or another piece of journalism. It's a link to a TikTok. Amazing! That's too, wow.
0: Journalistic integrity, folks. It just shows the New York Post not to go on a tirade
1: is more for entertainment than it is for information. Uh, absolutely, and also they keep calling it psycho babble. Anyway, Jonah Hill seems pretty insecure. Bad use of therapy language. Uh, yeah, seems seems like a pretty not great when, uh, guy. One red flag for me. It just
0: this is my personal opinion on the situation. I am not entitled to this, a, to this opinion, but I'm going to give it anyway. Uh, one red flag for me is apparently that Jonah Hill. Uh, they met basically by him, like commenting on her. She's a surfer. So commenting on her surfing post where she's in surfer get up, you know, Mm -hmm. surfers, uniforms, what Uh have you like bikinis, etc. Um, But once they were in the relationship, he apparently was like, Hey, can you stop posting scantily clad photos of yourself?
1: You, you might attract additional sunburned (laughs) narcissists. And it's like,
0: well, you didn't have any problem with those when you were courting me. Why would you have a problem
1: with them now? And also, it's my fucking job. You don't understand. Only I can comment beautiful feet princess under <laughs> oh, under your Instagram post.
0: Only I can DM the OnlyFans model about my sunburned carcass on the beach.
1: <laughs> uh well Jonah Hill uh brutally canceled. <laughs> yeah sorry. you're not gonna recover from this one. oh my God isn't it great that when people get canceled nothing that they, they go away They go away Isn't or- it great that canceling's a real thing that people have called canceling because it's real and <laughs> uh it works okay. A very
0: funny thing happened in the in the in the most recent weeks. I don't have a source for this, so you're gonna have to just take my word on it. it you can look it up; it is real, but I don't have an immediate source. Remember when uh, Roseanne Barr said some problematic things and then blamed like a medicine and that caused her to get canceled off the the
1: revitalization of her show? Oh yeah, when Roseanne Barr. Um- I believe tweeted that a black woman reminded her of a monkey, and then said she took an Ambien. Right, she blamed it on Ambien. Um,
0: well, just this past month, uh, she went on. I think it was some comedian show or conservative talk show host failed comedian show, and apparently, what, was it Greg
1: Gutfeld? Maybe
0: I don't know. Like I said take everything you're about to hear as hearsay, but it did happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> Allegedly, she went on this show and uh, was talking about being canceled and then went on to say, the Holocaust never happened, but it mm. should happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's like an atomic <laughs> take. <laughs> To the point where the host was like, wait, what are you saying?
0: You're not saying. And she was like, I am. And then, so so maybe it
1: wasn't the, the ambient. That is the funniest. It's like, you know, the, the. There's a theory in comedy, like the benign violation theory that people laugh because they're introduced to new ideas. I don't necessarily think that's always true, but that is so funny because that is like, it's like, (laughs) it's like you had people in a lab and you were having them come up with somehow a worse take than the Holocaust never happened Oh my God, It's scientific. It's so good. <laughs> um, I just found a recent
0: <laughs> a recent headline just put an end cap on this thought. Uh, Roseanne Barr claims world cannot handle satire after saying
1: six million Jews should die. <laughs> I you know, usually when people say the Holocaust didn't happen, what they, what they mean is like, it's a tool used by some kind of like international jewelry to elicit uh, sympathy and, and allow them some kind of like special treatment, which is br- redonkulous. Uh, but, but then to say that it actually needs to happen. Oh my God. Uh, so apparently this one was, was the worst.
0: I, I got some, I got some sources now. She went on the, uh, the Theo Vaughn
1: podcast um he's a comedian i think uh he he is a comedian and i haven't been able to tell some people like repost of stuff i'm like is is this guy a shithead conservative or is uh, i don't know
0: yeah apparently according to Vaughn, uh this she was being sarcastic oh cool but um i don't know maybe if i'm roseanne barr And uh, I I have been removed from my own show for a racially charged tweet. Maybe, I don't know. This is just me speaking. Maybe I stay away from situations wherein people could even interpret what I'm saying as being racially charged in the future. Yeah, maybe don't. Maybe don't. Maybe Maybe I just don't. (laughs) ever
1: mention the holocaust unless someone else brings it up first because guess what you're kind of on people's radar for that shit now yeah but uh so that's just some fun some fun things that are out there oh all right it's um it's like when uh, gina carano was uh <laughs> Cancelled from uh, the Mandalorian. And then she said that uh, all the people he shot on the Mandalorian were Dr. Fauci. Yeah, that's what she said. Yeah. She recontextualized it. Uh, Anyway, Jonah Hill seems bad. Roseanne Barr seems worse. I'm really glad we took this short detour (laughs) to uh, make me feel worse about two people. I didn't like that much. Well, now it's time to feel better,
0: John. Hmm. Now while you're away, I reported on a little uh, a little internet spitting match that happened uh, to no avail. I don't know if you, you were aware of this.
1: Uh, I mean, I I try to keep an eye on most of the internet spitting matches. Wait, do you mean sanctioned spitting matches, or it's a metaphorical one? Oh, the no, I don't really follow those.
0: Yeah, this was a metaphorical spat, if you will, between one
1: twitter ceo elon musk mm. and one L- lo- the train of people i love to think about just continues yeah yeah and
0: one uh, meta ceo i think he's a ceo i have no idea mark zuckerberg
1: ah old shark eyes
0: yeah so while you were gone uh it looked as though they were going to cage fight which would have been really fun
1: yeah, I think I saw a little bit of that in my Instagram stories.
0: Uh, unfortunately, as I reported in my in, in Less Than Zero uh, 9, go check out that episode, hear me rant for 30
1: minutes about this. Uh, unfortunately, Elon Musk's mom said he can't fight, so the <laughs> fight was canceled. Amazing. How many times has that happened? Two nebbish boys talking about how they could beat each other up and then one's mom intervenes.
0: Normally the boys are around 12, maybe 13, not fully grown adults, and also two of the richest fuckers on the planet. Not two deeply ill-looking men. Yeah. Um. So it seemed as though, for now, the Twitter versus Meta fight was put on hold. But John, let me tell you, it's back on. Uh, oh, the cage match in a metaphorical sense to disappoint
1: oh unfortunately a quick aside i would actually love to see that cage match because uh mark zuckerberg mark zuckerberg he's ripped now dude he's he's been training with like ufc fighters i don't know if he's ripped i know he's quite good at brazilian jiu-jitsu and if you look at elon musk it really looks like his skin is just like begging to come off of his body yeah, no abs. Like, it's really hanging on by a thread, so I feel like if they really get to fighting, it would be like ripping the tablecloth off of a table. I said ripped. He's got abs. That's ripped. ripped. <laughs> That's ripped. That's ripped. Okay. Um,
0: but, alright. So, all of this is in the context of our free bingo square for the year 2023, wherein Elon Musk will announce the bankruptcy of Twitter. Uh, uh-huh. Yes. So, that happened. The The cage match announcement, the they, they were coordinating with, with Dana White. It seemed like it was going to happen. It stopped. This past weekend, no, two weekends ago, when you went on vacation. No, you were still here. Two weekends ago. Yes. <laughs> Elon Musk announced that due to server load, they were going to restrict how many tweets an individual could see per day. Ah, the uh, the infamous rate limiting. They were going to rate limit Twitter. Uh, verified users could see up to 6,000 tweets a day. Unverified users could see 600. And people without accounts could see zero. Hmm. Uh, thus rendering the site unusable for the vast population of the planet. Uh, uh they- Yes. They quietly uh, rolled that back without telling anybody by Monday, and then in the week following, Meta released their own new social media application called Threads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those who signed up for Threads were on Threads. By the way, you can follow us at Zero Credits Podcast. I could not pick the username. It just Populated for me. Um we're on threads now. And uh those of you who have used it will notice it's basically Twitter. Yes. To the point where it came out that Meta hired a lot of the people that Twitter fired <laughs> when Elon Musk first took
1: over as CEO to build threads. I mean if I was in Meta's position, and there was a massive brain drain at a company, and I wanted to build something similar to what that company built, I'd hire them. Uh, I'd so- be pretty excited about it.
0: Right. And, I mean, heck, you might even get a discount on some of
1: that talent, because like, they're out of the job publicly. Very, very publicly. And famously, you know, you're meta, so you're paying people in a ton of really good, somewhat non-volatile stocks. So you could probably get someone in at like a maybe a lower base than they were making at Twitter, but more guaranteed income in the form of meta stock. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good deal. Um, and so what
0: seemed to be just another drop in the bucket of Twitter um, imitators, Twitter replacements is catching fire. Uh, As of yesterday, it seems that Twitter traffic is tanking as Meta's Threads, that's hard to say, Meta's Threads, hits 100 million users.
1: Uh, Yes, two two, uh, quick aside data points. Uh, First of all, during the rate limiting thing, which I don't know if they have fully rolled back or not, a huge part of that, obviously... Uh, Elon Musk is very mad about things scraping Twitter for tweets, be it like large language models or more likely third party apps to make the website actually like uh, usable (laughs) or tweet deck, uh, for instance. But I think Twitter's SEO dropped by like 40 percent due to the rate limiting, which is like a death knell for traffic. To Twitter, so I wouldn't be surprised if they rolled that back. And also, Threads, I think in 24 hours, gained 30 million users, whereas the most followed account on Blue Sky, Home of the Skeet, is 35,000. These numbers aren't even comparable. Yeah. Uh, Threads is Threads like, has- by orders of magnitude more popular than any Twitter alternative.
0: Yeah, Threads has some traction. It it might be the built-in integration from Instagram because you really don't need to create an account on Threads. If you have an Instagram account, uh, you just port over all that stuff on the Threads. Um, We had to make an Instagram to get a Threads account. So there's a zero credits Instagram now that has not been
1: populated with any information. It's just there. Hold on, does that mean I can post sexual pictures I post pictures of myself in a bathing suit on our Instagram?
0: You can, but you cannot present female nipple.
1: Hmm, I will be presenting a lot of male nipple then.
0: I guess that's fine. I don't know if we're going to get the demographic that we aim for, but, you know, all news is good news, right? That's what they say. Uh, Of course, Elon Musk is not going to take this lying down. Uh, He's threatening to sue for breach of contract, of which there are none. Uh, (laughs) He's getting mad at employees who he fired, getting jobs after employment, which is not, I mean, you can get mad about that. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, A lot of uh, Elon Muskrats are are saying like, Uh, Have you ever heard about a non-compete clause? And it's like, yeah, the state of California says those are unenforceable.
1: And that's where Twitter headquarters was. So, yeah, which sure would be a shame uh, if they weren't in a state that didn't enforce non-compete clauses.
0: Right. So, of course, Elon Musk, not wanting to take this lying down, has gone on the official record and tweeted out as of two days ago at 1245 p.m. Zuck is a cuck.
1: Good, great. What a stupid, stupid person. Yep. What a what a what a real idiot. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, I, I maybe have. Oh wait, th- it gets worse. Oh boy.
0: In response to tweeting out "Zuck is a cuck," nine hours later.
1: Okay, so around nine PM.
0: Is this real? I'm clicking on it to verify. There's no way this is real.
1: It's tough to say. It with is the real. Way Twitter verifies people. It is real.
0: Nine hours after he tweeted out Zuck is a cuck, he followed up at 9 p.m. that night. I propose a literal dick measuring contest emoji ruler. Cool. What a cool guy. And this is the, I'm, I'm verifying, I'm doing my due diligence. I'm verifying. Yes, this is the actual Elon Musk account. This is not
1: an imitator. This is, uh, listen, this is the state we're in now. Jesus
0: fucking
1: Christ, dude. I have complicated Threads feelings. First of all, yes, absolutely. Take down Twitter. Yeah. Um, I think that Threads is the most promising sign that we have that Twitter is dead and dying. But I also think it's the most promising example we have that the form of communication that was Twitter is over. Yeah, I think because so Because pretty much every time on the internet a, a major platform or a major paradigm changed, there were a bunch of people who tried to save it. Like, remember all the Vine imitators and... Mm before facebook all the zangas and shit that tried to take over for myspace uh i think that twitter as the thing that it is is dying um yeah and i have a real serious concern about threads staying power uh for a a a a pretty specific reason if you'll entertain me i'm here to be entertained uh, so as you might know I like I like to read a Substack you know you know Substack where writers get paid <laughs> uh, the tech analyst Fane Greenwood a few years ago Uh, wrote this Substack article called Facebook's Terrible Uncle Problem is Driving Away the Kids. And this was published in in 2021 when Facebook's popularity uh, and Instagram, as a matter of fact, were starting to wane and have since uh, extremely waned. Yeah, Uh, Facebook is just not the cool place to be. So arguably... The reason why Twitter is cool or was cool is that in Twitter, you have proximity to power, right? Like if you see like Steven Crowder tweet something on Twitter and you reply back, uh, I hate you. You have a small penis. I'm going to kill you or whatever, you know, (laughs) as an example, just as an example, (laughs) normal Twitter discourse, if you were to post something like that on Twitter, if Steven Crowder, who is terrible, were to respond in a way that uh, impugned his character or, like, updated his character in the public consciousness, you could have a news story written about you. For oh, yeah. real. Yeah, for real, yeah. Uh, the, proximity, equalizer. the proximity to power. And the one of the things that made Twitter, like, cool and useful was that it was, like, a big thrumming brain that everyone was a part of. And for the most part, everyone had equal access to everyone else. And I think that that is something that will be true on threads. However, there seem to be some issues with threads algorithm showing people the same kind of like Instagramy algorithmic content over and over and over again. And Twitter's algorithm initially was just date based and then refined over time. Uh but in uh, in Fane Greenwood's article, they what's the word I'm looking for? They ascribe the downfall of Facebook to what they call the terrible uncle problem, in that Facebook's core marketing strategy, their core business strategy going forward, starting in the early 2010s, was to get everyone on earth on Facebook. You probably remember being in like, I don't know, college groups improv groups with facebook's and facebook felt like a like a sexy vibrant interesting place and then in the 2010s your parents started to be on it
0: oh yeah yeah i remember um absolutely it it instantly curbed my my usage of the site
1: yeah i everyone is on the same page no one's on facebook now because their parents are on it yeah yeah But the terrible uncle problem is a little bit more insidious in that as Facebook leaned more and more heavily into the, we want everyone possible on this platform, cool people, young people drift away. And the remainder is increasingly lonely or fringe or underrepresented people who have kind of unfettered access to information that is algorithmically served up like having two spiders in a jar and then you shake it. So they fight. (laughs) Right. So you had this increasingly atomized, angry, fringe reactionary usage base, posting memes of minions that say like, if minions don't get vaccines, your grandkids shouldn't either. (laughs) Uh, And Facebook became this, A really problematic space full of very scary individuals you did not want to be friends with very, very quickly. So no one uses Facebook anymore. The issue that I have with threads is that it is inexorably tied to the Facebook, Instagram uh, social network hierarchy so that people can find your threads. Yeah. Like if you were unlucky enough to be one of the frickin' idiots Uh-oh. who linked your Instagram to your Facebook, first of all, what the fuck? <laughs> Instagram's like a different- one of the last places other than Twitter where you can be like weird or thirsty yeah. or post weird stories. Like Instagram has like a little. Tiny veneer of being cool. If you were one of the fuck ups who tied those things together, guess what? Your QAnon loving great aunt who sends you long text messages about how Temu is a communist scheme by China, they'll see your tweets. And I said that proximity to power was the thing that kept Twitter cool. No, anonymity and weirdness and freedom made Twitter cool. No, absolutely, yeah. When threads
0: came out, uh, a a wide a wide reaction was: "Wait, my Twitter friends should never meet my Instagram friends, and vice versa." Absolutely, you cannot mix these populations. Uh, by the way, I just want to. Say, I never linked my Instagram to my uh, Facebook, and my mom found me anyway. So what are you going to do? Yep, it'll happen. It'll happen. And <laughs> it's going to happen with threads. Well, I won't have a personal threads. I'll just have the zero credits podcast thread. Uh, find us on threads. Hold on. Let me get that username because it's different from our Twitter because they didn't let me pick it. Uh, yep, we are zero credits podcast on Threads. Zero credits podcast
1: on Threads. We uh, have one zero of us followers. Try to remember that. <laughs> I. It's just it's inherently problematic because on Twitter, it was one of the last vestiges. I've said the word vestiges so many times, dudes. You're like, you're, you're you're heavy on the vestiges tonight. Dudes love vestiges. What can I say? Uh, But one of the last vestiges of that like edge of the internet was being on Twitter and tweeting something like, oh, no, I didn't get the sausage roll I want. I'm going to kill my mother and then myself or whatever. Right. Like it, it was it was a space where you could be without you could you could cultivate a community around yourself and you i don't know i i loved twitter for that when twitter was good and we're not gonna have that again and you're certainly not gonna have that on threads because you're gonna boot up threads and since you thought it was twitter you posted a picture of your ass and you said <laughs> come and get it hashed at wendy's or whatever come and get it at wendy's <laughs> come and get it at wendy's and then underneath that you're gonna have a comment from your uncle who didn't even know you didn't even know that he knew what threads was. And he's like, you looked so beautiful in a bathing (laughs) suit when you were 11. Uh, And then under that, there will be an ad for fucking Kardashian tequila or whatever. It's just not going to be the same. I think threads is our last best chance to accelerate the death of Twitter. But I think that the thing Twitter was is dying.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, And by no means do I think threads is even a good replacement, even if the medium was going to keep existing. I mean, one meta they just, they take all of your data. So obviously I'm not going to sign up for threads on anything resembling a personal account because I don't want to have, give them even more access to the data that they're already scraping from me. Yeah. It, I, I think you're you're right. I think this this vestige of the internet listen it, it's vestiges baby today vestiges well th- this is just one of them. uh this is just a single vestige this vestige of the internet it, we're seeing the twilight of the gods of it. We're seeing it's Ragnarok. This is the end of whatever this trash fire version <laughs> of a social media site is we we might honestly be seeing sort of one of the the starting death knells of social media altogether
1: and listen i i know that it sounded like i was coming out pretty hard against threads i'm so into threads if you offered me a job working on threads i'd take it and you know why because the last time we talked about Twitter ultimately dying, I think we were talking about the importance of like indie media being a thing again. So people, it seemed like we were at the beginning of a long, laborious road of this thing that we're on right now breaking down. I yeah. think Threads is accelerating that exponentially. Yeah, it's, it's like pe- people out there on Blue Sky skeeting all the time. No, it's it's not Mastodon. Mastodon. No. Uh, Mastodon 5? No. no. The the one for the black community? No. Oh, I didn't I, didn't, I think it was, was called Spill. Uh Oh, that's what Spill is. I think I think it was called Spill. Also, okay. they all look the same. Uh
0: Well, yeah, cuz they it, it, we are we're going through each Vine
1: replicant and exactly, know, not it, knowing that it's over. It's the Vine thing. If you have 8 apps that all look the same, guess what? The apps that look like that are dying.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we are in it. This is a moment. It, it's kind of the same thing. Well, we thought it was going to be kind of the same thing with Reddit where it's like, well, it's, Reddit is ending. Well, it turns out no it's not. <laughs> but no, I think the internet is in a very weird place between being constantly commodified or commercialized and being scraped to death for for information or content. Like it's it's that it's gone. The 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 internet is gone. It is replaced by chat, GPT, and putting the
1: word Reddit after your Google searches. It's over. There's there's no more internet. I I think whatever people thought Web3 was is wrong. And we're not even talking about apes because there's hilarious ape news. Uh, there's very good ape news. There, there is some of the funniest ape news since ape, ape's gone right now. Uh, but whatever people thought web three was with like blockchain degen portfolio shit, that's not it. And it never was going to be it. I think we are approaching whatever web three is and maybe web three is generative AI model collapse. Maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's the death of things making sense. Sure. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the but, fut- the future of the internet is going to be... We're going to go back to individual usenets in the form of Discord channels. Like,
1: that's it. I I mean, maybe you joke, but I think that the if you look at the graph of like ChatGPT and generally LLM-based uh, generative AI assistants, they're still pretty popular, but they've been flatlining for the last like two months and even for ChatGPT down 10%. I think we're kind of reaching the valley with some of this stuff, and when we lose things like Twitter, I think it's going to move to like Substack and small groups. And honestly, yeah. your average group chat is starting to be a better way to disseminate and glean information than anything you can find on the website. Think on the website <laughs> on the internet, <laughs> the website. Uh, I just think things are getting small again, which is cool. I want things to be small again.
0: Yeah, I, absolutely. It is cool. I The only thing I miss is a search engine that when I query something brings me to relevant information first and foremost. Not the thing with the most buzzwords shoehorned into it to improve its seo not the first five or six entries being ads that have been programmed to catch my word and insert it into the ad honestly the first result for anything should just be wikipedia
1: (laughs) and and then you're right
0: from there you know other relevant information i'm 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 sad that I went to high school in a time when I could Google, like, history terms to find the definitions to do my homework. Because now when I type it in, I get five opinion pieces that use the word for no reason. Five opinion pieces written by AI. Yeah. And then eventually, after scrolling too far,
1: Wikipedia. Many people wonder who is Chaucer in this article? We will tell you who Chaucer is. Right. Uh, No, I totally agree. But also I was thinking about that. There was this moment over vacation where I was ruminating on the idea that um, we have basically, we had all of human knowledge in our pockets for about 20 years, honestly. Uh, And Man, I wrote the sickest Black Mirror episode. No, I was just thinking like that's a pretty good run to have all of human all of human knowledge in your pocket for the most part. Maybe until we figure this out, we just have to learn to be okay with not knowing some stuff. Oh
0: yeah, I mean, it did us well in the '90s. You'd be you'd ask an adult why is something the way it is they'd give you an answer
1: and that would be it forever (laughs) yeah pretty much yep i'm still that way honestly i i wait human interaction so much more than anything on the internet your wife once told me that rooms to go was a bad place and i've never been in one and i'll never be in one i see rooms to go when i'm driving by and i'm like what a shithole establishment <laughs> i know nothing about it i don't know anything about its founders its, its shoddy, history. i just know uh, that one person i trust said it's bad and uh, i will carry yeah. that to my grave
0: an, an interior designer that i know a friend of uh, jamie's called it rooms to know
1: and that must, yeah that'll stick with me forever now i'm gonna think that every single time i see a our rooms yeah. to go uh but the official stance of the podcast is we are excited for the death of the internet because it's not good anymore and we look the new thing yeah look look, look, look look
0: we are two members of a generation that have seen more you know his, historic events generation defining events than
1: anyone else let the death of the internet be the next one yeah or at least the death of what it listen man I've been alive for no internet. I've been alive for a very small amount of internet. And now I've been alive for more internet than I care to have. Yeah. Uh, And you know what? Maybe no internet would be a fun one to go back to.
0: I just remember uh, my dad was the principal of a middle school. And during the summer, sometimes my mom had to to do development days uh, at her job. I would go with my dad to the middle school And he would set me in a room that had internet, and I would go to Mm, lego.com.
1: Lego.com was great. My computer couldn't run lego.com.
0: It was always hard finding a computer that could run lego.com. But when I did, all I wanted to do was play. They had this. I don't even remember the rules of this multiplayer game where you would stack bricks against someone else or against a computer, maybe. And all I wanted to do was play that game for an entire summer. Take me back when i needed to get my parents permission to go to lego.com
1: i don't know i've i've found a couple books i really like lately i'm like was this so bad the books yeah books are good books are good uh yeah i don't know death of the internet good thing official opinion of zero credits go back to not knowing things it wasn't worth it it turns out yeah let's just all be ignorant and happy yeah it turns out the um All the genocide and the death of American politics wasn't worth going to Lego.com. Or who would have known? Really, if if you had sat down six-year-old, not six-year-old me, that would would have been six-year-old me. I logged onto the internet for the first time in 1995. Uh, If you had told six-year-old me that um, finding text-based games called MUDs, (laughs) on the internet at the time would eventually lead to the downfall of American politics and multiple genocides. I wouldn't have believed you. Yeah. And eventually I went to a website where they posted MS paint drawings of different Pokemon killing Pikachu. And I liked Pikachu, but I still went there because it felt wrong. (laughs) You wanted that edge. I wanted that edge. And then, you know, you got to, you you go to all the 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 websites with the videos of people dying the internet used, you know what it's never been a good place never it was never good. let's uh <laughs> let's pivot quickly to the social media plugs.
0: yeah speaking of the internet dying here's several places on the internet where you can reach us. I'm gonna name all of them. I will say though at the top of this that we now have an official link tree. So, if you go to our Twitter, our link tree is our pin to tweet. You can find all of our shit there. But here's just a few places to get to that Twitter. you got to go to twitter.com. You're going to find us at ZCPCWHJ. I believe John
1: knows what that stands for. Wouldn't it be great if it was link.tree or whatever it is, slash ZCPC, whatever the rest is? It's too late. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's too late. I, I believe it's Linktree slash zero credits. Uh, let me check. <laughs> yeah, it is Linktree. Well, Linktr.ee slash zero credits. I I could maybe change it. What do you want from me? <laughs> That's what it stands for. And if you want to reach us on Threads, we're Zero Credits Podcast on Threads. Uh, We're on Facebook. If you want to send us an email, send us an email too. ZeroCredits is a podcast at gmail.net. We are on scrapes, We're on Podcast Addict. We're not on Stitcher and RIP Stitcher because Stitcher is dead, it turns out. I on Spotify, Good Pods, Pod Chaser, wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you could leave a rating and a review, that would help us out tremendously. And we would love you very much. Use the last vestiges of the internet to leave a good review for the podcast. But the most important thing you can do is meet somebody in person. See them face to face. Make eye contact. Be assertive yet supple and listening, but tell them that zero credits is a podcast that talks about the cultural happenings of the zeitgeist on a week to week basis. We're just trying to figure out where we are in the cultural time ghost of it all. Tell someone about our podcast. It is the only way we can survive, especially since I will be dialing back all of the social media marketing that we do because the internet is over and it's the end it's the end this is the end word of the mouth is the only way
1: we'll survive it's good to know that we predicted the death of the internet and the life of the mouth and i just want everyone to know that scrolling through twitter tonight is absolutely gut-wrenching and it's not because of the bored ape floor plate price it's because so many OG apes I've grown with since Mint are getting their apes liquidated via loan protocols. I want to help. We should all be extending hands to help right now. That's right. All the apes are being sold because of crypto loan sharks <laughs> are, are taking everybody's apes. It's very funny. We love the apes. Uh, kill the internet. <laughs> so from everyone here at the zero credits we sold 27 apes for roughly three million dollars studios we want to wish you a happy week goodbye goodbye